Good morning, everyone. So glad that you are here. Would you stand and join us for worship this morning? It's going to be a great day. Let's get our hearts pointed in the right direction.
morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Community Life. We're so thankful, so proud, so excited that you're here to join with us today. Whether you're in the family room or joining us online, we welcome you to this place. You are here, you have arrived. Maybe you ate breakfast, maybe you slept in, maybe you only have matching socks on. None of that matters. The only fact is that you're here and we're gonna continue to worship together. So in that spirit, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, y'all. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father God, we love you. God, we look to you this morning for strength, for comfort, for peace, for hope. God, regardless of what we came through those doors with, I pray that you'd help us just to check it at the door, lean into the hope and the promise, the joy, the celebration that we find when we encounter you. So help us to focus on you, remove any distractions, and let us just love with our whole hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Faith 
Thank you for this time that we have that you've brought um, to us and brought us to. And God, and even just singing this song, just thinking about your grace and the way you meet us with kindness and, and compassion, God, that we don't have to come to you saying, God, I'm going to try harder. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do these things for you. But we come completely, arms open, hands open wide, God, and just say, I've got got nothing 
we've got nothing left. Maybe we've got nothing to offer. We feel no goodness in us or just have run and found ourselves, God, just exhausted. And you meet us with open arms. You pick us up. God, you restore us. You redeem us. You give us the life. You give us life. And you are life, Jesus. And so just thank you for that so different than the world. It's so different than any other form of, of religion, but it's a relationship with you, God. It's you that created us, that knows us intimately, that loves us. Jesus, you that sacrificed for us. And so thank you for those things that we can be reminded about, those things that we can anchor ourselves to, God, not just today, but as we leave this place and the rest of the weeks and months to come. God, I pray that, um, we would just dig into that. We love you so much. We thank you so much. And uh, we're super thankful and excited for our time here together, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And we pray all this, Jesus, in your mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen, guys. So glad that y'all are here. I love to start our time together and time a song of praise like that. Thanks for singing with us. So if you would, just say hello to somebody around you. Give them a big CLC welcome. We'll continue on. And uh, hey to you guys joining us online. Thanks for being with us. And we will be right back after this.
What a beautiful night. The videos and the pictures barely do it justice. If you were here, if, uh, if you were here volunteering or you were here, raise your hand for, for a night to shine. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Give them a round of applause, please. Thank you so much for being here and making it just an incredible night. You know, the whole theme of the evening uh, kind of culminated in this room towards the end of the night when the team here crowned everybody, kings and queens of the prom. And it, it harkens back and it reminds us that we are truly royalty. When you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you are connected to the king who made you and who created you on purpose and with a purpose. And so the, the theme of the night was to remind those, uh, our, our guests that they are loved and they are known and they are seen and they are just a part of, of the life that happens here in this place and in God's kingdom for sure. So maybe, maybe just maybe you needed to hear that this morning. Maybe you need to be reminded that, that you're a child of God and that whatever you came in this place with here this morning or whatever you're, you're dealing with as you're, you're watching online or on the phone, uh, that you are loved, you are known, you are included, you are a child of God and you are royalty. So thank you for that, absolutely. So, so thank you again for all of y'all who volunteered, who came. Uh, some quick numbers, uh, these are not preacher numbers, these are actual numbers from people who counted. Uh, we had... We had 185 guests who were here, uh, filed around through this place, 185 guests. Uh, we had 211 buddies. So math-wise, there's one buddy for every guest. There was a bunch of guests, uh, a bunch of buddies who were ready, and they just came in here, they switched gears, and they just turned into party mode, and they just made sure everybody was taken care of and everybody was good, and they led the dances. It was a hoot. So thank you all for being able to shift and uh, do that well. Uh, we had another at least 150, probably closer to 200 other volunteers, think kitchen crew and parking crew and paparazzi, the security team, and on and on and on, all the other uh, folks, uh, the folks up in respite, all across this building, every inch was, was covered um, for, for there. You saw the, uh, the 501st, the, uh, the, the group of Star Wars uh, crew that was here. They were, they were running all over the place making it fun. So all in total, 
safe to say 800, probably pushing north of that here in this place uh, on Friday night. Just, just again, connecting uh, folks back to the mission of what's going on. So it was, uh, it was quite incredible. Uh, we wanted to give a couple of special shout outs. We don't typically do this, but this was a special moment. So we want to call thanks to, uh, to Carol Joyner. Uh, she's the one who had a dream a few years ago. Like, could we do this? Can we not do this? So careful, y'all. This is a life lesson. She went and had a, a meeting with, with Pastor Scott, and uh, she said, hey, is this something we could do? And he goes, yeah, you own it. Run with it, buddy. Get you all that you want. And so Carol and her team over the past eight years now have been doing an incredible job with that, including Shannon and Jana, Kaden, uh, Katie, Karen, Summer, all the Jennifers. It's a whole squad of Jennifers. Uh, Angel, Dana, Mandy, uh, Charlene, and then a quick mention uh, to Kat and her staff, Beth and Chelsea here, uh, Greta, Jason and his production crew back there, just to make the uh, entire night uh, go off so beautifully. And then lastly, uh, Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Deputy's Office showed up incredible support. We are so incredibly thankful for them, and specifically Major Doug Bringman um, and his, his impact to here, uh, bringing all the lights, the ground support, traffic control, and just being all around incredible. So Doug, thank you so much. You'll, you'll see him most Sunday mornings uh, out here uh, with, with, uh, with Randy Dawes as well, our, uh, our incredible uh, deputies that are with us. So, uh, so thank you again for making such an incredible evening uh, happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. All right, switching gears a little bit, want to let y'all know this coming Wednesday, a very important day, gentlemen, it is Valentine's Day. So if you haven't ordered anything on Amazon, I just checked, there is time to get it here prime quick enough, uh, or order flowers, whatever you need to do. But it's also Ash Wednesday. Now some of us may be sitting here thinking like, we're, what's this Ash Wednesday thing? Like maybe I was involved in a church before and they did it and I thought they were non-denominational. Here's what we want you to know. At Community Life, we love you. And there's room for you. You don't have to check your denominations or your traditions at the door that you can be a part of it. What we also will promise you is that we will never do anything just out of tradition. We always connect what we do back to the why. So Ash Wednesday, for example, is a moment for us to pause. I think that we can all agree that there are moments that we need just to pause, push pause in our lives and the craziness and prepare our hearts as we enter the Lenten season or those days leading up to Easter and be ready for the miracle of Jesus coming back to life. So this Ash Wednesday will kick us off Wednesday night in a family room here uh, at 6 p.m. And we're going to connect you back to the mission and help us all just take a moment just to be together. Now, if you do not want to receive the imposition of ashes, if you don't want it on your for not a big deal. We're not going to force it. We're not going to arm bar you and make you do it. But just come and be a part of it. And, uh, and I promise um, Scott's message will be awesome. We'll have worship. It'll be a, it'll be a thing. So, so make, make room, make space uh, for that if you can. Also want to let you know, on the 29th, uh, at the end of this month, it is a very special day. We're doing a family gathering here in this room. We'll have dinner together. The band will lead worship, and we'll have updates. Just kind of let you all know all the exciting things that have happened since the last time we met as a family around dinner, and also let you know what of the things that are, are coming up. Also... Addie's turning 11 years old on that day. How cool is that? A little church trivia for you. Pastor Addie, they're, they're full of claps today, buddy. It's going to be rad. Pastor Addie, born on a leap year, turning 11 years old, as many of y'all are doing the math in your head right now, trying to figure out what that actually means. So we'll be celebrating her birthday that night as well. It'll be fun. Whew, a lot of stuff coming up. I feel like you get to breathe for a minute. We finished a series uh, two weeks ago. Uh, called Speak Life, and now we're in a series uh, called When You Pray. And the idea is we're focusing on this word called transformation. We want to speak life in the, words or in the world around us. We want to be able to help transform people with the things that we say. We realize we can't do that 
without God. And we, in order to do that, maybe we just need to lean into prayer. So last week, Kat got us kicked off as we studied the Lord's Prayer, not as just something we do because we do it. Again, we don't just do tradition because that's what we've always done. We do it because there's a, an intention and an importance behind it. And so Kat got us started last week as we looked at the personal implications. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, when we sit around and listen to Jesus as the rabbi who taught his disciples to pray in this way, and it was, she did an incredible job. If you miss it, I encourage you to go back and check it out. And Addie's continuing uh, this series and wrapping things up and uh, talking about the corporate nature of prayer. When we pray this Our Father, how we're connected and how this prayer has, uh, has to do with our life. So without further ado, would you all welcome Pastor Addie to the stage, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. How are you all doing? I'm going to get all my stuff set up up here. I've got to put what time we end so I don't run over. But for the last service, I think we're good. Um, I'm really excited to uh, dive more into the Lord's Prayer this week. But I have a confession to make. When I suggested that we do this, Kat and I, as a part of our sermon series, um, to do the Lord's Prayer, it was a joke. Not because the Lord's Prayer is a joke, but because I am a joke. <laughs> So let me tell you what happened. So back in September is when I was ordained. And the first Sunday after I was ordained, they asked that I come up here and do the welcome and do the Lord's Prayer like Clint did, Pastor Clint did at the beginning of the service. And up until this point, I had successfully managed not to be on stage on a Sunday morning. And I did that on purpose because this is not my favorite place to be with a microphone. I love to be with you guys um, in rooms and Bible studies and hospital rooms, but not up here with a mic. Um, but I guess part of being a pastor means that you have to be on stage sometimes. Although they didn't tell me that when I was being ordained. They kind of got that later. Uh, so that first Sunday, I came up here to lead the Lord's Prayer. And we have three services. And two out of three services, I messed it up. So killing this pastor thing right out of the gate. Y'all, I've said it three million times. I was raised as a Methodist. It's even written on the screen behind us. Like, how did I mess it up? And so then it dawned on me, it was because I was reciting it and I wasn't praying it. So then I realized that this is actually the perfect sermon series for us. Because I'm sure I'm not the only one that's been reciting it and not praying it. So although being up here on stage is not one of my favorite things to do, uh, one thing that I do love to do is take scripture that we're familiar with and put it in its biblical and historical context um, so that I, we can discover its true richness. A lot of times the meaning of these verses that we've heard so many times are written on our wall um, they've become distorted, or worse, that familiarity can make them meaningless. And that's what had happened for me with reciting the Lord's Prayer. It had become meaningless. So my prayer today is that with what Kat taught us last week about the individual nature of the Lord's Prayer and what we learned today, that the Lord's Prayer will be written on our hearts and there'll be a transformation that takes place, and it'll be evident in how we treat others. So, y'all ready? Y'all ready to go? All right. So, like I said, last week, uh, Kat taught on the Lord's Prayer, and she was over in Luke. And this week, we are going to be in Matthew. Now, how many of you 
knew that the Lord's Prayer was actually in the Bible, <laughs> and much less in two Gospels. You know, don't, don't raise your hand. We don't want anybody make anybody feel bad. So, um, uh, as, as we read today over in Matthew, you're going to see a little bit of differences between the two. Now, I don't want you to get hung up on those pieces, because the reality is, is that Jesus was a traveling teacher, and he taught sermons kind of over and over again. And so, um, much like today, my message will be a little bit different at all three services, partly because Scott makes notes and <laughs> I have to speed up or slow down, but mostly because you have life experiences or presuppositions or a different need today, so you're going to hear something different. But that doesn't change the heart of my message, and it's not going to change the differences between Matthew and Luke are not going to change the differences between Jesus's message. Um, today, we're going to be in chapter 6 in Matthew, which the Lord's Prayer is right here, nestled in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Y'all heard about the Sermon on the Mount before? <laughs> okay, so the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount was a collection of teachings from Jesus. Not sure if he stayed up on the Mount and preached them all the way through because I wasn't there. But uh, either way, <laughs> in this collection of teachings, Jesus demonstrates that God's kingdom is countercultural, that it's upside down. Um, compared to what we value in the world. In the beginning of the sermon, we call it the Beatitudes. Uh, Jesus is teaching those people that are gathered and us that the people that belong to God's kingdom, that we think should belong to God's kingdom, they don't. And how you identify the people that do belong to God's kingdom, it's evident in the outflow of their heart and how they treat others. Also in this sermon, uh, Jesus is clarifying the law. He gives a clear revelation of those things that they would have held on to um, in what we consider, what we call the Old Testament. But more than just clarifying the law, Jesus is telling us that those who belong to the kingdom of God behave a certain way, or we have a responsibility to one another. What sets us apart as Christ followers is how we treat each other. Not because we're, setting, we're following some set of rules, but because of the condition of our hearts. And the outflow of that is how we respond and treat one another. We don't hold on to anger. We don't make empty promises. We don't retaliate. And we don't do good works just to be seen. And we even love and pray for our enemies. And right here, in the middle of all of this goodness, is a teaching from Christ, the Lord's Prayer, nestled in all of this goodness about how we interact with each other. And last week, Kat taught about how the Lord's Prayer provides a framework um, for our individual prayer practices, that spiritual discipline of prayer. But this week, I want to look at the corporate implications of how the Lord prayer, the Lord's prayer, shapes our relationship to the Father and to one another. So we're going to start here, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. So the first part of this says, And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by others. 
Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Uh-oh. Didn't we, didn't we all start this service in every service with the Lord's Prayer? We all stood together and said it in front of each other. We weren't in a secret room. And what about Pastor Clint? Is he being a hypocrite up here with a mic being up in front of everybody? <laughs> I, I don't think that this is what this passage is saying. Let me tell you what I think is actually going on here. Let's go back to thinking about how Jesus is orienting our hearts to uh, make sure that the outflow is how we treat each other. So we start each Sunday with the Lord's Prayer in community to gather our hearts and shift our focus from ourselves to God. The first part of this passage talks about those hypocrites and that they've already received their reward. But what does that mean? I think it means that if you want to be seen, well, buddy, we see you. You got your 15 minutes of fame. If you're standing up there to be seen, that's what we did. But if you go to a place where no one can see you, I think that that's when we're our most authentic self. When it's just you and God, you won't be tempted to put on a show because there's no one else there. So when we shift our focus or when our focus shifts from ourselves to making ourselves uh, present for God and we're not worrying about what other people's people think to seeking God's face, that's when the good stuff happens. So even though we're praying in community, we aren't doing it to be seen and we aren't doing it for intention. We're doing it to shift our focus from us to God. So I don't think this passage is calling us hypocrites, or Clint, Pastor Clint, a hypocrite. I think that uh, in saying this, we are shifting our focus. And we should not be, pray to be seen, but pray. It's okay if we are seen when we pray, right? Let's, let's, let's do it the other way. <laughs> when we pray... It is okay that we are seen, but we should not do it to be seen. Do you see the difference? It's about our motivation. Seeking God or seeking attention from others. So now that we've established that we should not be like the hypocrites, let's read on in verse 7. Verse 7 says, When we are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now that I love that Jesus has to say this because he knows us so well, many of us have hesitated to pray out loud because we're so used to those people that have those long, beautiful prayers full of churchy words, and they just go on and on, and, and they have recite verses in the middle of it, and it seems like that's so good. Or even sometimes when we're by ourselves, we think that God will take our prayer more seriously when we use those churchy words or we recite verses or we say all those flowery things. But y'all, God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. That means he knows our thoughts. Now, I don't know how God speaks to you, but he speaks to me like I speak to everybody so I can hear him. 
And when I start using words that uh, are not usually in my brain or not part of my regular vocabulary, he goes, girl, you know that's not what you're thinking. That's not what's in your brain. So he checks my heart. So why do we try to act like God doesn't already know what we're thinking? So don't keep from praying because you feel like you aren't as eloquent as others or you don't have the right words. God doesn't want your compliments. He doesn't want your churchy words. He wants your heart. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Praise God, he knows what we need, because if I was in charge of what I need or what y'all need, we would all be in really, really big trouble. Have you ever prayed for something, like earnestly prayed for something, and like had the whole plan in your brain, and you sit down and you go, okay, God, this is the outcome, and the way that we get to this outcome is like we do this, and then you do this next, and you do this next, and you do that. And then he doesn't answer that prayer. He never answers the prayers like that. But when the dust settles and you look back, you can see those God threads is what I call them. The way that he weaved everything together to have the outcome that he knows that you need. Maybe he delays this thing or sent you to this place. And we sang about it earlier. His ways are so much better than our ways. So I am so glad that he knows what we need. But that begs the question, like if God is already knowing what we need, and he knows what we're going to ask, and he's going to do whatever he wants to do anyway, why do we pray? Can't I start the sermon right here, and that be good? Jesus should have stopped right there. Can't we just go on? I would like to stop right now, but I can't. Uh, because uh, I think it's, that's another reason that this is so important, that it's packed here, unpacked here in the Lord's prayer on the Sermon on the Mount. Remember the pattern that we spoke of earlier of how Jesus is trying to help the crowds understand that it's not into holding on to the law, the rules, but the transformation of the heart. And it's in the evidence of how we treat each other. Um, so as a reminder, we're over in Matthew. And Matthew is a Jewish tax collector. His audience would have been Jewish. Um, so these people are steeped in ritual and they held on to the law. And like I mentioned before, familiarity or routine can make these things meaningless. We can get lost in going through the motions. Like, have you ever um, been on your way home and you drive through an intersection that has a light and then you go through it and then you go, oh, was, that, was that a green light or was that a red light? <laughs> like, you don't even know what, we don't, sometimes things are on autopilot. Our brain is on autopilot. We don't even know what we're doing or why we're doing it. So I think that that's sometimes what happens when we pray the Lord's Prayer. But also, this is not a magic formula. Like if you pray this way, then you're going to get the things that you want, right? Because God is not a genie in a bottle that we petition for our needs. He already knows our needs, our actual needs. He knows better than us. So the reason we pray is not so that God will align his heart with ours to our needs, but so that we will align our hearts with his. It's to transform the condition of our hearts to be more like Christ. So, okay, we've established, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray like the Gentiles. Well, okay then, how do we pray? Let's look at verse 9. The first part of verse 9 says, pray then in this way. 
hot diggity dog. Jesus is already answering our prayers right out of the gate. He knows what we need already. He's going to tell us how to pray. And note that this does not say if you need something, pray this way, or when you have a few moments, pray this way, or, or you're going through this situation, pray this way. It says, pray then in this way, meaning Jesus expects that we will pray, and we're supposed to pray often. Now let's read the rest of that verse. Verse 9 says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered as holy. Our Father. Jesus could have said, My Father... It was his father. He was the son. But he is also our father. Jesus is showing that as Christ followers, we have been adopted into God's family and that we have access to our heavenly father. And if we all have the same father as Jesus, that means that we are all brothers and sisters. This makes me think of my siblings, and they aren't here today, so I get to talk about them all that I want to. (laughs) Um, my brother and sister and I are pretty close, but we tease, tease each other often. And when we say something stupid or do something stupid, now that's not me. It's always the two of them doing or saying something stupid. But when we do something uh, stupid or say something sister, stupid, we'll say, that's your sister or that's your brother, not mine. But we don't uh, get to do that in God's family because the reality is that they are my brother and sister, even when they aren't their best selves. And, I, and they have to claim me too. And just like y'all are all my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I have to claim y'all, but you have to claim me too. So we're a family. We have to act like it. And then the last part of that verse says, may your name be revered as holy. This reminds us that our Father, he's holy, he's sovereign. And just like Pastor Clint was saying at the beginning, those kings and queens, we are the same kings and queens. We are all Kings and queens of a heavenly father that loves us so much. So when we are adopted into this family, we have that legacy. And because God is holy and he loves us so much, he provided a way through Jesus to be adopted into his family. All right, let's go on to verse 10. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is right here. His will is happening right now. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven or Jesus comes back to experience it. And y'all, heaven is not actually a far off place. It overlaps here on earth. Uh, In fact, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, it's right here. So through the transformation of our heart, God's kingdom can be right here. His will can be right here. Now, and we as family members, as children of God, can be the conduit that makes that happen. But we can't do it by ourselves. We've seen throughout the history of time that when we are left to our own devices, we mess it up. Started in the garden and it's been downhill from there. So, what do we need? We need Jesus. So we're going to look at verse 11 and see if God knows our needs and he answers our question. Verse 11 says, give us today our daily bread. Well, that that doesn't say Jesus. 
But let, let me unpack this for you a little bit. Our resident Greek scholar uh, here at the church is Dr. Hope, and he helped me walk through this. Kat touched a little bit on it last week, but there's a Greek word in here that's kind of hard to translate. Um, and it's only found in one other place in the Bible, and that's in Luke, in the Lord's Prayer. So it's like Jesus uh, couldn't describe what he wanted to describe, so he had to make up a word for it. Um, now, I'm not going to even attempt to say it. I don't even say English words that well, so we're not going to try to say Greek. Not like any of you are going to take it out of here anyway. So, But the first uh, part of that is made up of two Greek root words, and the first part of that means above or super, and the second means being or essence. So this, this word is also describing bread, and bread is the bread of life, Jesus. So this verse, in simple terms, can be thought of as, give us your presence every day as our bread. The most basic but greatest need is Jesus. He is our sustenance. And we need Jesus to do any of this. So we're going to look again at the first part of this passage, or this verse in verse 11, and it says, us. There it is again. Give us. Jesus didn't teach, give me. He said, give us. When we pray this prayer, we are interceding for one another. That each of us would have our basic need, which is his presence. And we are asking for it daily because we need a daily reminder that God is holy, that we're going to seek his will, and that our basic need is his presence. We have to constantly be reminded of these things. In Celebrate Recovery, we say it's not because we are slow learners but because we're quick forgetters. <laughs> so we pray this daily so we don't forget to seek his presence every day because it is only through him that we can do our part. Now verse 12, as we forgive our debts and, we, and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. First notice it says, forgive us our debts. Now, even though we may pray to forgive our debts, sometimes I think we pray, myself included, God, forgive me of the things that I have done wrong, but uh, give everybody else the things that they deserve, especially those that have wronged me. And that's not what it says. It says, forgive us our debts. And in Luke, the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our sins. So, and here it says debt. So we believe that Jesus was using debts metaphorically to represent sins. Our sins are debts that we owe God that we cannot repay. And here again, we are interceding for one another, this time for forgiveness. Jesus did it from the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. As brothers and sisters, we should be praying for one another. We should pray for provision, for God's presence, for his forgiveness, and for his strength. It is the greatest gift to stand in the gap for others. When they aren't praying or they can't pray, my greatest gifts have come from the faithful prayers of others. I swear my grandmother prayed my husband into existence. And I had lots and lots of people praying for my babies because I'd had miscarriages and I have two beautiful babies. And the reason that I am right here today is because of the prayers of my grandmothers and my daddy got me here. Not because they were praying for me to be a pastor, 
Nope. There was a time that they were praying that I would just find my way back, that I would be forgiven. They were praying for my forgiveness because there was a season that I wandered, and they sure weren't praying for me to go into ministry. They just wanted me to calm down. (laughs) And y'all, the only reason that any of us are right here in this moment is because there were a whole, throughout the history of church, people praying for this moment, interceding for us. There have been people that have gone before you that have been praying for this moment. So do not underestimate the power of praying with and for one another. The second part of verse 12 is where it gets a little bit tricky, though. It says, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Jesus has taken us back to remind us that what sets us apart What makes it evident that we are different is the outflow of our heart. Part of the transformation that has to take place is the forgiveness of others. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. He's wiping a debt that we could never repay and we don't deserve it. That's the heart of the gospel. That's what sets our God apart from the other gods, that he sent his son so that we could be forgiven. So we can't withhold forgiveness from those that have wronged us. Our goal is to become more Christ-like. And that means forgiveness. We desire forgiveness, and we're going to love our, if we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves and how we want to be loved, then we will forgive them. Now, verse 13 and do not bring us to a time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Again, Jesus says, us. In this daily prayer, we are praying for each other over and over. Right now, we're praying in that part for protection and deliverance. And this is the one part that got me really excited as I was studying um, for this, reading the whole of Matthew over and over again. I love how God's word is alive and active and we have new revelations. Um, But right over in Matthew chapter 4 is the testing of Jesus, where Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and he was delivered. Y'all, that experience didn't look very fun. He was there for 40 days. He didn't eat for 40 days. He came face to face with the devil, and it nearly took him out. Angels came to take care of him when it was over. And that was Jesus. We don't stand a chance. It takes a lot less to tempt us. None of us can sustain under trial like this. So God, please keep us, me, my brothers, and my sisters, from trial or uh, temptation. But the reality is, is that we live in a broken world. We're going to face trials. There will be times that we will be tempted to take the easy way out. This world is trying to get our attention. And the last part of this prayer says, rescue us from the evil one. Some translations say evil. Either way, this prayer is asking God to rescue all of us from evil. Again, us is being used here. And this may be one of the most important ways that we can pray for our brothers and sisters. Because when you are facing trial, there are times that it is too hard to pray. That you are too exhausted or that you are too scared to pray. So the times that we need to pray for our brothers and sisters are in those moments. So we need our community sometimes to pray for us. To ask for God's daily presence to be with us so that we won't be tempted and that we are protected. 
Now at the end of this verse, some translations say, for that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Some make a footnote of it. Some don't even acknowledge it. That phrase is not found in early manuscript, um, and it wasn't included in uh, Matthew's original writing. Uh, now, Jesus might have said it in other communities. It doesn't change the heart of what the message is. Um, but if you have questions about that, you should ask Pastor Scott. So that's a whole thing. <laughs> He's not even here to defend himself. How y'all like that? <laughs> so verse 13 is the end of the framework that uh, Jesus taught the crowds and us to pray. But in 14 and 15, he addresses forgiveness again. Pay attention to places in Scripture where Jesus repeats himself. Because he often speaks in parables, and it may be hard to understand those things, but he is being intentional about making this idea of forgiveness clear. So verses 14 and 15 say, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Some of your translations may say sins or transgressions there, but the Greek literally means a misstep, a trespass. And I think that Jesus has to repeat this idea because we mess up on the daily. And I know lots of people that love God fiercely, myself included, that have made a misstep. And the reality is that some of you have experienced that in a church where we have, as a church, made a misstep. But if we hold on to unforgiveness, we become bitter. It hardens our heart. And that cuts us off from others. But more importantly, it cuts us off from God. Our refusal to forgive means that either one, our hearts have never been changed, or two, we aren't viewing others as brothers and sisters that bear the same image of God. God already decided those people that we're refusing to forgive were worth sending his son to die on a cross so that they could be forgiven. Who are we to hang on to that unforgiveness? So as we look back at the Lord's Prayer, we see a framework. It orients our heart to a heavenly father and to love in our brothers and sisters. And it, it sounds a lot like something else we say every Sunday. At Community Life Church, we love God, we love our neighbor, and we connect people to Jesus. In the Lord's Prayer, we have exactly that same thing. We love God. We acknowledge that he is holy. We love our neighbors by praying for their provision, forgiveness, protection, and deliverance. And we have to be connected to the source, the daily supernatural presence of Jesus. That's the thing that sets us apart, and it will be the thing that we'll be known for. So I think that if we really started this praying this prayer daily, not reciting it like I was, that God can transform our hearts, transform our families, and our prayers could transform our neighbors. So I have a challenge for you. Pastor Clint was talking about Ash Wednesday coming up next Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday, which starts the Lenten season. And instead of those things that you typically fast from, like Facebook or chocolate or fast food, what if you give up five minutes of your day? And you take those five minutes and you pray this prayer with your family, 
with your spouse, over your children, over your neighbors? What would happen if we did that? I think that if we earnestly seek God's face every day, if we align our hearts with his heart, and if we love our neighbors, and if we forgive freely, we will see a radical change, and people would encounter heaven here on earth. So in just a minute, the band will play a song, and we'll open up the altars. And so maybe you want to come up and start praying that prayer for the first time today. Um, But maybe what you really need today is Jesus because you realize that you have not yet been adopted into this family. We would love to pray with you about that too. Pastor Clint's going to be on this side and I'm going to be on this side. Um, But either way, we're praying for you earnestly today and every day as we intercede for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for you. Thank you for being holy and sovereign. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son Um, to rescue us. Father, we pray that we are a conduit for your will and your kingdom here on earth. But Father, um, we can't do that by ourselves. So we need Jesus. And we pray that you uh, remind us of his daily presence every day. Um, And Father, because of uh, his forgiveness and your grace, we're going to forgive others. And we pray protection over us and our families as we go into this week. And Father, um, we just thank you for your precious and holy name. Thank you for sending your son. And it's in his name we ask all these things. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us today? Sing, Holly. 
love that we get to come together and pray. I love that the God that we know and we serve and we love is present to us collectively and individually as well. So I would encourage you, much like Pastor Addy did, pray this week. Take that time, make that investment, and just pray. Just be present. He knows what you need. You don't have to use fancy words. You don't have to impress anybody. Just talk to your daddy. He loves you. If you're new here, if this is your first Sunday, we'd love to get you connected to the ministries, to the things that are happening here at Community Life. Just come to the next steps room right afterwards. If you're watching online, reach out to us via email, info at clc.life. We'll get you connected. But before we leave this place, let's pray, y'all. And we're so grateful that we get to pray. We're so thankful that you're the God who loves us, who knows us, who hears us. God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And I know that you're going to be with us every step of the way as we head out from this place and face this week, that God, that we're able to do immeasurably more because of you. So we pray and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say, amen. We love you all. Have a great week. Oh, what a Savior.